0: Welcome to the Fod Eater FOD Pass. <laughs> <laughs> what is up, y'all? It is Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great weekend. You might notice my voice might sound a little weirder than usual. It's because I screamed my lungs out last night at the Auburn Georgia game. Georgia came away with a victory. I'm a huge Bulldogs fan, so it was fun to travel to Auburn hostile territory and come away with a win, but as a result of going to that, you know, normally on Sundays, I'll do recaps of my various campaigns, didn't end up playing last night, as a result, we will be playing next weekend, but I still wanted to put something out for y'all on Sunday, today, and so I'm calling this Revenge of the Unpopular D&D Opinions, Uh, not last Friday, Friday before last, I did a little short five-minute Friday Talking about one of my unpopular D&D opinions. It was a question I saw floating around on social media. I was talking about how I don't think 4E is all that bad, and then I uh, did a follow-up that Sunday, even more unpopular D- D&D opinions, where I was sharing a lot of call-ins from various legendary anchorites and other folks that were, you know, just talking about opinions that they have that uh, maybe aren't the most popular. So I thought it made for pretty good listening, and had a couple of kind of late Collins, a couple co- comments and, um, and things like that. So I thought I'd put it together for what I imagine is just going to be kind of a short podcast for y'all today. So starting off, uh, you know, on the follow-up episode, I talked about another one of my unpopular opinions is I really like the monks, even the old monks, you know, I see a lot of criticism of the mechanics and I see a lot of criticism. From folks just saying, you know, monks shouldn't be in fantasy or monks don't fit D and D. Monks don't fit the game, but I've always really loved them, and I had a couple call ins Let's check them out.
1: Hey, froth Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm amazed you you gave, talked about the monks, which I like the monk too, but you didn't mention the monk that came out in Dragon Magazine. If you remember, and I remember what it, ep, I'm in the I'm driving home, so I, I don't have it in front of me. I don't remember what um, what uh, darn! I'm tired, aren't I? What issue it was in, but in Best of the Dragon number three, they had all these special character classes. They had the monk and they had the archer and they had the winged folk and whatever else. The um, but the monk version in the Dragon magazine in that Best of the Dragon three, that monk is an improved ver. Well, it's an easier to play version of the monk. I think they had a bard in there too, actually. Um, but anyway, but the monk in Best of Dragon Three, I'd like to hear your opinion on that one. But yeah, dude, I like monks too. So you're in good company. Sorry for all the calls today, man. But I love monks too. Uh, same as you, man. I grew up with all all the movies: American Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, Jim Cada, Jim rules. Um, I friggin' love Monks and Pathfinder 2E, they are amazing, and I know you are a fan of Pathfinder 2E, so if that makes you want to play it even more than good, um, yeah, Pathfinder Monks and Pathfinder 2E Monks are just top of the charts, man, uh, but I, I also took Taekwondo for a bunch of years when I was a kid, man, so that just pumps me up hearing that stuff, uh, from you, and just, you know. Anyway, man, sorry, I don't want to get all sentimental. Peace out.
0: All right, so you heard from Jason there from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, as well as Joe Richter from Hindsightless and Wheeler Woe. And, Jason, you know, I was v- vaguely aware in the recesses of my mind that there was some, uh, you know, kind of revamp from a reader or whatever in, in one of those dragons. I need to go back and take a look at it. Um, Like I kind of mentioned, I think, you know, just my solution, like if I'm GMing and somebody wants to, you know, qualifies for a monk, you know, usually run first edition AD&D kind of house ruled, but I might just let them play that Blackmore monk because I think it solves the basic problems. Um, But that's, yeah, I need to go and check that out. So that's a really good tip for, for me and for others. So, so thanks for that. And and Joe, yeah, Taekwondo memories, huh? <laughs> I remember it was it was Montgomery, Alabama, is where I was living then, and take you know taking it when I was a kid. You might hear a Rosie barking in the background. So she's a deer, and the deer doesn't appear appear very impressed. The deer's not impressed at all. Uh, of course, there's a fence between them, but uh, but anyway, it was Chung Lee. Chung Lee was my my teacher and started in this really kind of I don't want to say dumpy, but it was kind of a small little like studio and the kind of place where, you know, you could pick up a wrestler's ear or whatever, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it was like as martial arts got really, really popular there in the early eighties, very quickly moved to a huge, you know, facility and all of a sudden there were tons of people taking it and um it doesn't seem like our belt system matched up exactly with other, other people's. It went like white, yellow, green, blue, red, black. And I think well, basically 1985, I moved to Georgia and that's actually when I first, um, got a chance to play D and D when I moved to, to Georgia. And, uh, once we moved, my parents had gotten divorced and, we didn't end up really taking Taekwondo after that. Although we did, we did still buy a lot of st- uh, stuff. But um, that was kind of the end of that. So I stopped when I was like a blue belt. But I was thinking about like that belt system. You know, it'll be a belt with different stripes or whatever. And um, I, Other places I think have orange belt and brown belt and all this. And it's really just like a good... I mean, it's it was good, don't get me wrong. And I think it's great for kids. I actually looked at some martial arts stuff fairly, or a few years ago. It's so expensive, but, but they keep you paying with that belt system. You know, you want that stripe or you want to do your form and get to the next thing. It's really ingenious way it's set up. (laughs) not only good for physical fitness and self-defense, but also for money-making. But, but anyway, I appreciate y'all calling in regarding the monk. It's good to hear some other people enjoy it. Uh, I got some great calls here from John Allen large from the excellent red dice diary podcast blog, uh, some YouTube stuff. So Renaissance man and, uh, sharing some of John's unpopular D and D opinions. Let's listen. Hey Froth, this is John here from the Red Dice Diaries.
2: Just been listening to your episode about unpopular D&D opinions. I think I've just about got my shitty Nokia 5 sorted out now so I can actually start leaving some voice my messages again. But I apologise if the sound volume's not quite what it normally would be. I heard your one of your callers talk about the additional subclasses and how they're unnecessary in their opinion, and that you rightfully mentioned that in the original versions there were even less classes, and I've got to say, my unpopular D&D opinion is I'm not a massive fan of the Thief class or the Rogue class, if you prefer it. Granted, it was sort of brought back into the, the mainstay of the rules a bit later on in, you know, version 3, 3.5, 5th edition, etc. When they sort of folded it into a skill system. And that's all good, but certainly in the earlier editions, when they they had a weird sort of percentile system that didn't really, in my opinion, fit in with a lot of the, the rest of the way D&D worked, although I know there were a few other sort of subsystems that perhaps used that, it just felt a little bit tacked on and unnecessary to me, especially when I don't really think you, you need a skill to search for traps or whatever you can just describe how you're doing it and i know that certainly seems more in line with the, the sort of osr rulings overall so screed that's often touted and yeah it can be nice if you're in a rush occasionally just to quickly make a skill roll but it just seemed a bit weird that only rogues could really do that sort of stuff in earlier editions so that's my thoughts take care dude Hey, Froth, it's me again, John from the Red Dice Stories. Just finished leaving my last two messages and something else occurred to me as I finished listening to the rest of your episode. That'll teach me to leave a voicemail before the episode's finished. I heard you talking about the D&D 5th edition binding. <clears throat> Sorry, a bit of a frog in my throat. And yes, the binding on 5th edition D&D books does suck indeed. And so they're saying, oh, well, you can send it back in isn't really a viable solution. Why not just not put out shitty product in the first place? But as for the adventures, I've got Saltmarsh, I've got a couple of the other ones, and I've pretty much stopped buying them now because I was like, yeah, they're nice to read, but to be honest, I'm probably never going to get around to running them. And if I did, I'd probably have to like retrofit them to an OSR system. So why not just buy the older versions, most of which are on print on demand? So there we go. There's a second unpopular opinion for the price
0: of one. Take care, dude. Enjoying the episode. See you soon. Great stuff there from John Allen large. Appreciate the call ins And yeah, first of all, yeah, the binding is terrible. And you know, it kind of does say a lot about your business when your solution is to just have everybody send in copies for, for new books rather than actually, you know, fixing the problem. Because, you know, like I said, my curse of straw was falling apart and that was sometime after the PHB, so the whole, we used a bad printer for the first run, it didn't really work anymore, and then, you know, I know it probably makes more sense monetarily for them to just be like, oh, send in the books, they know a lot of people won't, it's kind of like, you know, Twinkies or something, putting on the package, if you don't have 100% satisfaction, send it in, nobody's sending in that Twinkie, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, that's what it reminded me of, but great comments about the thief. It's really strange, you know, because, you know, now for me, I don't mind there being a lot of really disparate, different mechanics in classic D and D for some reason, that's part of the charm to me. Sometimes you're rolling high. Sometimes you're rolling low. Sometimes it's a D 20. Sometimes it's a D six. Sometimes it's percentile dice, you know, and none of it really makes sense. It's not unified by any by any stretch. It's part of the charm and and just I guess the tradition and it, you know weighs heavily on it. Whereas if I was just coming to it now as, as a grown adult looking at it, I'd be like, what is this, you know? But um, but since you have those, um, since the thief has these abilities spelled out with chances, it kind of implies you know, either that the other types of characters can't do these things or that they should be worse than the thief, you know, by virtue of them getting these as, as, as class abilities. And so it becomes kind of like, well, can my character hear noises? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, cause I, you know, I can try to, do, I can try to pick a lock right now. And I'm no good at it, but you know, I can try it, you know? So what do you do in those situations? And, um, you know, what do you do for, and, and some of those, like, you know, look at the table for the thief skills, like in first edition or whatever, and you look at the low levels, they don't get a very big chance. So it's like, wow, if, if the thief's only getting this low a chance, you know, 10% chance of this, 5% chance of that, you know, what does my fighter get? <laughs> it ain't good. You can try to hear, we we'll see if you roll a one, you know? So, and he's, you, you know, I, I do, it is, it's changed, you know, like, like you're mentioning to where, you know, now it's really just a sneak attack, kind of sneaky damage dealer thing. But when you go back and play those, it does raise those kind of questions about, you know, are these thief abilities universal or, uh, and and if not, or, you know, and if so... How bad do you make the other characters out of it? Anyway, I thought that was a really good one. So thanks, John. It's that, good stuff. And anybody that's run a lot of old school D&D comes across that sometimes. You have a party without a thief. You've got a locked door. And it's like, what do you do here? And I usually just wing it. But usually, even if you're like a one in six chance, you might be given the you know, somebody a better chance than a than a thief might have in some situations. So it is one of those paradoxes. Those paradoxes of D and D that doesn't quite compute um uh, sometimes. So So yeah, thought of one more unpopular D and D opinion to share. So I think this is unpopular. It feels unpopular. I I almost always only play humans. I almost always play humans uh, in D&D. Part of it's, you know, from a pure mechanic standpoint, I oftentimes like, especially in the modern d and D. I I like the flexibility you get with the humans. You know, you usually can pick a feat or pick a new skill or put a bonus wherever you want. And it's just kind of like a general you know, general it gives you a lot of choice with what you want to do with your your racial features or bonuses or whatever. But even in old school D and D, I gravitate towards it. And I I think part of it is not is just not tied to mechanics at all. I just like the role playing the human. I maybe maybe it's a, it's maybe not something explicit that I'm thinking about in the forefront, you know, forefront of my mind or anything, but maybe I just feel more comfortable role playing the human. Or I like imagining myself as a human character in these, you know, fantasy situations. Even in the fantasy or whatever, I still like to, you know, imagine me it as be, me being me in those situations, or being a human being in those situations. Now there are exceptions with some games like Starfinder. Or I really like playing an android, and it's not something that happens every time. But probably ninety-five percent of the time. Maybe more in D&D. My D&D experience. I go with human. And that feels like... To a lot of people it's boring. Or or certainly not, not typical. So... Anyway. That was my last second... Revenge of the unpopular D&D opinions. Opinion to throw in there. And with that... That's all I've got for you. My throat's kind of sore. I'm about to get back on the road. Head home to Athens. So anyway... I just want to let y'all all all know that I appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate folks checking out the shows. Hope you're having a great weekend. Next you'll hear from me will be the Hump Day Blogorama Show coming up for you Wednesday. Um, And like I mentioned before, we'll be back with the Froth University Savage Worlds 1980s horror comedy game next weekend. Looking forward to get back into that. So. Uh, there's only been one session so far. So if you want to be following along with those, just go back a few episodes, check out that session recap, and you'll be ready to roll for next Sunday. Anyway, I appreciate Joe, Jason, and John L. Large for calling in and hope y'all, well, I've already said that a bunch of times, so I'll talk to you soon. sickly platypus a psychic grenade zeroing in on your mental trade gonna
1: help you escape from the grind
0: thought eater gonna blow your mind